You're listening to the Technically Confident Podcast with me, your host, Charlotte Fuller. This is the podcast for the ambitious woman in tech who wants more and is willing to do what it takes to make it happen. I'm going to give you all of the tips, methods, and strategies you need to remove self-doubt, get over your fears, and build the confidence you need to live the life of your dreams and reach your highest potential. So strap in, enjoy the ride, and let's go get you everything that you deserve. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Technically Confident Podcast. I'm joined today by Jessica Fernley. So, Jessica, I'm really excited that you're here. So, Jessica is the first, is, let me get this right, let me get my words out today, is the business coach for B2B women consultants. So, she's the host of the Seven Figure Consultant Podcast and specializes in helping women consultants in the B2B space move really from that six figure level into the seven figure level in a way that they're able to do it much more easily, um, given a lot more space, um, and working on their own terms and working less, which is, you know, the ideal scenario I think that everyone is, is really after. So welcome to the show, Jessica. I'm super excited that you're here. Thank you, Charlotte. It's great to be here. Yeah, pleasure. And let's start, Jessica, will you tell us a little bit more about you, your background, and mm-hmm. what led you to where you are today? Yeah, so I actually started my career in project management um, in the NHS. Mm-hmm. And I did things in a, an unusual way round because I worked straight out of school after doing my A-levels. Um, I worked for three years for the NHS, during which time I actually went in at quite a junior level, um, not really having much aspiration or confidence that I had you know, something significant to offer. But I was really fortunate that I had a really wonderful um, department manager there. And she was like, you are capable of so much more than we're giving you to do. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, and actually, she was the one who um, put me on the track to project management. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I do like this. Um, so I left that job when I was 21. And at that point, went to Nottingham University to study history. Liked it so much, I stayed for a fourth year and did a master's degree in gender history, which was super fun. Um, at which point I um, restarted my project management work, um, working in London. And um, during that job, I, I loved the job. I loved the people. I loved the work. But my body just did not love working mm-hmm. in London, doing the nine to five, commuting on the tube. And I tried to make it work for quite a few years, um, you know, while battling more and more serious irritable bowel syndrome and just yeah. general like body stress. I mean, in terms of the body keeps the score. Oh my goodness, I read that book and I was like, doesn't yep. it just? <laughs> exactly. And I think that's a, that's a common narrative for a lot of women who are in the field that we are in um, mm-hmm. and have sort of left that conventional nine to five work. But um, nothing is ever wasted. So as a result of deciding to um, stop my London career and just really being like, what do I do now? I've got mm-hmm. this really specific business specific skill set. Um, and actually, I started working part time for a um, occupational psychology startup. Um, and after again, after being there for a short amount of time, it just became clear that there was a lot more that I had that I could offer them. They were keen to develop my role. So they actually uh, made me number two in the business, um, head of mm-hmm. operations. And we grew that company from the low six to seven figures over four years. And then the year that my first son was born, the company was sold. And I went on maternity leave, kind of thinking, I feel like my work here is done, um, and actually decided not to return and instead 
started the journey as a business coach. And that was nine years ago. Um, So Mm -hmm. over the last nine years, I have experienced the full kind of range of online business and dabbled in different areas and sort of online marketing um, and sort of putting a lot of those to work in my business. Um, But about four years ago, had a real kind of moment of clarity and was like, actually, women consultants, they are my people. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. I I had so much understanding of what it taken us to grow that consultancy business. Um, And, you know, we we did everything wrong. We didn't know what marketing was at all. We literally, we had a meeting where um, the agenda item was marketing. And when we got to that bit, (laughs) they said, "Uh, Jessica, could you find out what that is and do some? (laughs) (laughs) And so, and this was kind of in the days before MailChimp. So Mm -hmm. we, we built a, um, like a, a version of MailChimp through our website through which to send um, like a mass email. And we, we through ethical grounds, because that was really important to us, you know, all levels yeah. of the company, but we got a list of a thousand contacts in relevant mm-hmm. jobs across different industries. And we sent one email to a thousand people and we had like a 17% response rate not even an, like a read rate or an open rate. It was like people who came back and said, <laughs> that sounds really good. Can you come and do it for us? At which mm. point, you know what it's like. You're like, uh, we now need no. to yeah. upsource everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we need some people. Um, so, you yeah. know, we were, we were a shambles in the best possible way. It was such a magical mm. place to work. Um, it was like everything we touched turned to gold. And if, if you and your listeners have had that experience when it's just really working, and I think you can get that in, in a startup and particularly in, in a tech space, um, often if you, if you understand what it takes to make the business really work, you can find success very quickly. But I think that the issue that we had is that it was great and we enjoyed it, but it was so like emotionally intensive because it was always like so exciting and everything was like running away from us all the time so we spent a Mm. lot of time you know we had to retrofit all of our um, business infrastructure and actually that's been something that I've really brought to my coaching work Um, I've got a framework called the six elements for seven figure business and it's basically like here's all the stuff that we should have done and I wish that we had known when we (laughs) got through that process (laughs) um so yeah that that's a, a very small kind of um well, quite a scenic route, but that's that's who I am and how I came to be doing what I'm doing. Okay, amazing. I love that. I just love that story. So um, you've been there, done it, and you've come out the other side, and now you're spending time teaching other people how to do it. And I think that's super, you know, super important. Tell us a little bit more about this framework, the, seven ele- the six elements of a seven-figure business. Mm. Where do people, what, what are some of the challenges that you see in terms of the people that you work with? Let's start there. Let's have a bit of a gossip. Well, yeah, well, so it's really interesting because there's almost like two sides to it because the, like the first side is the strategy. It's like, actually, mm-hmm. what do you need to know how to do? What don't you currently know? There are ways of building businesses. There are ways of building pipelines. Um, there are techniques which are really helpful to use. There are also things that, um, like from the perspective of what makes a company a good sales prospect, if you're planning mm-hmm. to sell and exit someday, um, that it's like, okay, don't build it like this. Like there are certain things, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't want to see that it's just kind of always chopping and changing like a bit of a body shop and people coming in, but there's no real IP. And then it just so happens that your star consultant leaves. And so there's no actual yeah. value in the business because it was all retained within that one person. So 
a lot of it is trying to like in practical terms what should you be looking to do growth wise um how do you get stable growth because we don't want this like you know really fast growth that then like tails off really quickly and um, we want to see like good stability in the business because if you are planning to sell if you can show like demonstrably over a period of four years five years that we tend to do 40 percent growth a year and mm-hmm. we, we we maintain that and we don't have years where we fall back that is what means that you can sell the business for a very nice profit because you're always selling based on what the the person who buys it will be able to get out of it. So it's starting to like weave in some of those things that at the point where we were looking to sell the business, we, we started that conversation probably three years in when the business was doing around 750,000 in revenue. Yeah. And it, it was at that point where we were like, Oh, we should have done that from day one. That would have been really smart. Things like, you know, we realized that 95% of our revenue came from a single client, um, which in terms of like your risk, that's extremely high risk. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's stuff like that, that when it grows organically, you can't always wire that in from day one. But if you have the information and the awareness, it changes the whole way that you do things. So that's like the strategy piece. um, And I love that because it's so it's so detailed and it's so fun and it's things that you're like oh I never knew that because it's not the things that people talk about when you you listen to a lot of online marketing mm-hmm. stuff it's it's really technical information but like obviously portrayed in the most amazing way um but the the other part of that is is to do with I call it leadership but it's it's, it's the mindset it's the motivation it's like okay with the strategy now we know what we're going to do we, we know what it needs to look like but when it comes to actually implementing it and actually being the person who's like, right, I'm going to lead this company, we are going to make these changes, we are going to see this growth. The number one thing standing in people's way is actually themselves. And that's something that I see mm. again and again with CEOs, with solopreneurs. Um, and it's, it's you know, there's no judgment there. We all do that. I, I am the biggest thing holding back my own business. It's something that, you know, when it's when it's you, when it's something that you've built up yourself, you treat it completely differently than someone else coming in feels about it because of that personal connection and that identity sort of crisis that we can have with our own businesses. And and on that, what are some of the ways that we do hold our businesses back? Mm. Well, it's it's the ones that you would probably think of. So, um, being insistent that we have to do everything ourselves mm-hmm. and not not delegating not hiring at the at the rate that we probably should do um holding on to like silly things like bookkeeping um that is like for a long time that was a standard thing that i'd say to people yeah. are you doing your own bookkeeping oh yeah i, I do it at the weekends it relaxes me no no it doesn't we're not going <laughs> to do that anymore anyone. yeah exactly <laughs> and, and even if if you are that way inclined mm. it's it's starting to see yourself as a CEO. And I think that's the bigger issue. It's like, understand who you are in the Mm. company, understand what the company needs from you, understand what your people need from you. Because if you're like kind of playing solopreneur behind the scenes, like the business is ready to move forward and it's expanding. And if people are coming on, but you're not in that CEO role, anyone can do the bookkeeping, not anyone can be the leader of that company. So that's something that I see time and time again. And it's also um, the kind of thing where as the business grows, we feel like, oh, yes, I dealt with all of those issues. And now I'm wonderful at everything. I've done the mindset work. But actually, every time the business goes up a level and like, you know, in the sense it's like, well, what does that mean going up a level? I think when you're in it and you start to feel the cycle of like, oh, my gosh, something awful is happening and I have no confidence mm-hmm. at the moment. And I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like that is up leveling. That means that actually you're 
you're being called to go beyond what feels comfortable and go into something that you've never been in before. And it doesn't matter right. if that is a change from sort of 100 to 500,000, 500,000 to a million or a million plus, or, you know, one to five, five to 10, however you cut that cake, you are always going to feel some level of like that same dread and that same requirement to start working on your mindset and really be able to like, in, you know, we, we get these exaggerated danger responses sometimes I think, and it's like, oh my gosh, I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And instead of running away, which you sometimes want to do. Mm. So when this happens, women are quite often like, I think I might get a job. I just don't know if it's yeah. worth doing this anymore. <laughs> but like when you get that urge, don't go and get a job, run towards yeah. the danger. This is your time to up level. So it's starting to understand you know, it, it feels like one thing, but it means something completely different. And when it becomes a pattern, if you're on this growth journey, you can just be like, oh yeah, I feel like I'm rubbish at everything. That means that we're up leveling again. Good news, everyone. <laughs> so you start to understand it and you can have a bit more fun with it instead of just feeling mm. like I need to take all these feelings very seriously. I want to run away. Yeah. I want to get a job. I love that. I absolutely love that in terms of being able to have fun with it because you're so right. We do feel that no matter what level we're at, no matter what we're doing. If we, we are people that are growing all the time, which mm -hmm. if you're in business, then arguably you should be, mm. then we will come up against those feelings. And it is so easy, isn't it? Just to say, it must be because I'm not good enough. It must be because I'm not cut out for this. Whereas, yes. like you said, if, if we become a little bit more playful with it, if we're, we can be like, okay, and I love that. This is the time now. Oh, it just means that, you know, we're exactly. moving up again. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is brilliant, you know, and it, it, it just makes it a little bit more easy to deal with, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, amazing. All right, so what else? If we're, I'm get, like, let's take through a scenario. So mm -hmm. if, if, you know, let's say we're, we were a seven, we're the six figure business right now. What does a typical client of yours look like at that point when they come to you? What are they struggling with the most? And yeah, what do they look like when they come to you? First mm, of all? Yeah, that's a great question. So typically what I tend to find is that around 300,000 in revenue, mm -hmm. um, it's been working quite well to be a solopreneur who pretends they've got a team when really they've got an assistant and no one else. Right. Um, and so um, then the requirement to actually bring in other people starts to become quite acute. Mm -hmm. And people go one of two ways in this. Either they're like, no, I don't want to do that. I need my assistant and no one else can do what I do. I'm the most important person, which mm -hmm. is that is a limiting belief, my goodness. Um, or the other, the other option is like, I'm going to hire everyone. I'm going to build the biggest team we've ever had. And it's like, whoa, calm down. Yeah. So it, it takes a lot of discipline, I think, to know what's proportional, what you can afford, what will actually help because anyone can hire people, but it, you need to be hiring people who are actually going to help you grow the business and bring a return on the investment that you're making and bring yeah. them in. Um, and that, that's something, it's always a cliff edge um, and you have to navigate it very carefully um, but I think as well, there can just be this like frustration of like and something that clients say often is like, I feel a bit bad because I love my clients, but this work is boring. And I'm always mm. really interested when people say that because I'm like, I think that's not you being like, oh, I shouldn't have started this business. I'm going to go and be a yoga teacher, which, some, you know, people do often have like a kind of, <laughs> if all else fails, mine is always like a childminding business because that's okay. such high demand. <laughs> I don't really want to be a childminder, but I was like, if I had to, that would be a very savvy thing to do. But it's, it's not usually the case that um, mm -hmm. you've got your calling wrong. It's just usually the case that um, you have been 
sort of over delivering for a long period of time. So there mm. can be an element of burnout. But I think also like under pitching. And I, I talk about um, this thing called the four stage framework a lot with clients. I've talked about it on my podcast quite a lot as well. And it's, it's this idea. And sometimes people are like, oh, is it, how, what are the different four stages? But the, the basic principle is that stage four is like the highest level work that you could possibly be mm. doing. Stage one is like the entry level work that actually you could do a video or you could hire someone junior to deliver it or make a video about it instead. And that would serve, that would always become like a, a bit of a passive in, income stream yeah. or a way to serve clients that you already have just like in a more broad way. But one of the key things um, when women feel bored and unfulfilled is because they are stuck in stage one and stage two work, which is not delivering at the highest level. And it's like their body, again, the body keeps the score, is their body being like, I can do more than this. But then their fear is like, what if they think I'm too expensive? What what if I can't do a stage four? So Mm. it's starting to get that real kind of focus. Like we need you serving at your highest level. We need you to be knocking it out of the park and knowing. And quite often when we have this conversation, my clients are like, that makes perfect sense. And they already know what the offer is going to be. They might feel a a bit of fear or some trepidation about actually putting it out there in the world, but they Mm -hmm. are just like, oh, that makes so much sense. And it, you know, it's not that you're a horrible person. It's not that you hate your clients. It's just that you are underfulfilled. Yeah. like you're ready for something which is going to stretch you and make sure mm-hmm. that you're properly compensated for the value that you're actually delivering and the value that you're capable of delivering. Yeah, absolutely. It makes absolute sense, doesn't it? I mean, if if we're not feeling fulfilled, then you do, I mean, you do start having second doubt, second, yeah, doubts and second thoughts about things and thinking, oh, is this quite right for me? But sometimes it's just, we need a little bit of a refresh. So mm. what would be examples of some of the level four um, Mm. activities or things that someone might do? Well, the most, and this is the thing with me, because I've done a lot of different things in my career. I've worked in the public sector, the private Mm -hmm. sector. Over nine years, I've worked with a lot of different businesses. I'm not the kind of coach who's like, this is the framework and you have to do everything that we do here. It's actually, and this is where on your terms, work less, earn more on your terms. Mm -hmm. We work out actually what is the most important thing to the business owner themselves. What are their unique strengths? What does this look like for them? And I use a framework called Wealth Dynamics, um, which I don't know, Charlotte, if you've come across that already. Um, Yeah, so it's it's a a kind of square diagram with eight profiles around the edge. And I I love it because the more you like dig into it, it's it's very, I'm not like a, a data like numbers person but it's there's a graph that you get with your results and the more layers you peel back on this graph it's like oh my gosh that's so profound but it tells you actually what is going to be your your path of least resistance what is the Mm -hmm. easiest way that you can set up a business to make money and when you understand that you also know who else you need to bring in because Mm -hmm. it's starting to say well you're you're this profile over in this corner we need to balance you out with someone from over the other side so it's starting to get that real complementarity within a team. But that's a really important piece because when you understand what it takes to create value in your own business, we can actually stop putting you in situations that you don't want to be in. Like quite mm. often people are like, oh, I hate these audits, but I have to do them. <laughs> yes. um, you know, and that kind of thing, whatever it might be. Some people hate going on camera. Some people hate not going on camera, mm. but it's starting to be like, let's build this business around you, the person. Let's make it reflect your actual values and the things that give you energy and the things that you really enjoy. And I think there's almost always this like moment for the client where they're like, I'm not allowed to have fun. 
and it's, <laughs> it's starting to be like what if you are what if yeah. what if the best way to make money is to have fun because it's all about that energy and starting mm. to increase your energy levels because when we feel energized it's it's effortless to sign big deals, to like attract the right clients, to pitch our little hearts out sometimes and really knock it out of the park. So it's about trying to find that kind of, I call it magical energy, but mm -hmm. I apologize if that doesn't sound very scientific. But it's, it's perfect. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's that resonance because mm. I th I, I'm convinced we don't buy because something is logical. We buy because our heart is already like, I love this. And sometimes you get that before you even know the details. Yeah. You know, I, I have bought um, things in my business from other people. I didn't even know what the small print was or what it included. Same. Yeah. I was just like, I love this. I love you. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. I want that result. Um, but it's starting to just bring that into the equation. Cause I think, um, for my clients who are often ex corporate women, um, there is this whole culture of like, don't feel stuff. Don't be emotional. Don't tell us how yeah. you really feel. We're not interested in that. Whereas I think a really important thing um, that I often work on with clients and that we, you know, this is how we start to create momentum and they start making a ton more money because it's a big shift to get from six to seven figures. Yeah. But the way we do it is to start to engage their actual feelings and, you know, that authentic, like, I like this, but I don't like that, you know, and at a very basic level, women have been deprogrammed from being able to feel and acknowledge their own emotions and their own responses to things. So this is sometimes a very hard thing to do. It's simple, but it's not something that you can just suddenly do. But what I love to see with clients is where we start to just get like, it's almost like plugging in like a teeny tiny charger or something like that. And they start to reconnect with what their body is telling them in mm -hmm. certain situations. I think we are so intuitive, but we have yeah. almost had that ground out of us by, you know, education being the way that it is, the corporate career track being the way that it is. But I think there's a lot of really like amazing insight and just that energetic, this is, this is a good idea. This is for me. This is something mm. that I love. Things that, you know, you wouldn't see in a typical business plan, but we gain so much when we bring it back into the equation. Absolutely. The, the energy side of things is huge. The energy and the intuition and the, the knowing mm. that we have, we put it to our si the side so many times. And I have been so guilty of this in the past. I, you know, yes. I am the person that you were describing, you know, at one point. Same. In the sense that, <laughs> yeah, coming out of corporate, a few years ago, I was just absolutely, completely off kilter in terms of where yeah. I needed to be energetically, emotionally, like cut, like just, emo I don't want to say emotionally dead. <laughs> but there is but that like, element, to isn't it? To a point of like, yeah. I don't even recognize myself anymore. Yeah, but there's something huge in that, isn't there? Of of coming back to your place, coming back to your center, and just trusting that mm. what you feel is right. And that well, because how element, many times? Yeah. yeah, how many times do we get in a situation and you're it plays out a certain way, and you think, I knew that was going to happen. I was but right. I didn't trust wrong. myself. Yeah. yeah. I was right, but I didn't act on it. And so a really mm -hmm. important part is starting to like be listening for that little nudge because sometimes it's a tiny whisper. And if we're used to, you know, I had a limiting belief for a long time. I can't be trusted to send emails. One of my bosses at one point <laughs> uh -huh. in my career said that to me, like anything that you send, it needs to be checked by me because oh, you, yeah. you say things too directly. And I was like, to be fair, I do. But like, always polite. But, I mean, just but, get it across, you know. <laughs> like, exactly. What, what we mince in our words for. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. But then suddenly you're in a business by yourself and you're like, what am I going to do? Because there's no one to vet my emails. And I had mm. to try, you know, I had to just be like, I think this is the right thing to say. I'm going to say it and like be responsible for the outcome. And actually, I can't really think of many situations where I've called it wrong. And But it's, it's yeah. all those little things that, you know, I've, I've worked with clients who've been told you're not good at managing. So suddenly they need to bring in a team and they're terrified because they're like, well, I've been told I'm rubbish at like leading a team. And it's starting to understand what of that was that you had a bad manager in the first place who wasn't supporting you. If that was true 14 years ago, is it still true today? Do you think mm. you've learned any things? Have you developed at all in those areas? <laughs> and even if yes. you haven't, like, you know, the elasticity of the human brain and mm -hmm. the fact that we're always growing and developing, I am convinced that if we are committed to our personal growth, we will, we will know very clearly what we're not good at and we can elicit the right feedback from people who work with us to get a better understanding of that. But like who, who decided like, you know, if, if you're not naturally good at something, then you're rubbish at it for your entire life. That is programming. Yeah. That is not reality. Yeah, a hundred percent. But it does affect all of us, doesn't it? Really mm -hmm. in different ways over time in different areas. Yes. And these things, if we're not careful, if we don't look at them properly, they catch us out later on, like you're yeah. saying. So when you work with clients, what do you do to help them uncover some of these issues and areas? Well, it, it really varies client to client. Sometimes they do a lot of crying and like, okay. because actually yeah. it's a real release to get in a room mm. where everyone is on your side and supportive. But I think it's hugely emotional if you've been carrying some shame over something that you think that you're not good at for a long time yeah. to then realize, oh my gosh, that was just a story that I was telling myself that someone else gave me that I've picked up and made it my own. And actually that's not the end of the story. That is so overwhelming when you have those massive breakthroughs. I think it's such a great thing when it happens, but I think it brings its own sort of emotional trajectory with it as well. Um, but we, we do a lot of um, working through limiting beliefs. So homework that I will quite often give clients is like write down every little mean thing that your inner voice is saying to you. Um, mm. And then we go back through the list and we, we do a bit of a fact check, like, is this, is this fake news? And kind of, yeah. what, what are you going to say instead? So typically it'll be like, I'm rubbish at everything. Um, I think several advanced degrees would prove that like, yeah. you're actually <laughs> very good at everything. And I think that's the other thing that can be magical in that situation. And this is, this is something that I like to call um, becoming your next level self, because I think all of us have um, a set of um, beliefs and almost like a, a, a mirror image of ourselves in our brains that it's almost like if you if you're if you say to yourself what do I look like that picture would flash up and very often that picture is like 20 years out of date mm. and so it's starting to understand actually as people we're always in the present moment but when we look back we have like metamorphosed is that the word mm -hmm. into different versions enough. of ourselves. <laughs> Yeah. And actually, when you start to really commit to um, personal development, it's very possible to um, to be able to say, I can see that like at that point when I was 15, I didn't have those skills. And this is where inner child can come in. Like so often, the five-year-old version of us is like driving the car. And it's like, you know, when, when we get really kind of strong emotional reactions, when we get triggers, that's a mm -hmm. really important thing to notice in ourselves because sometimes it's like, oh my gosh. 
I am my five-year-old self is responding in this situation. Like that version of me does not need to be in control. So there is that element of as well of like past childlike versions of us, mm-hmm. the adolescent version of us who, you know, overreacts to stuff and is all like, well, if that's going to happen, then I'm going to blow up the whole thing. It's like, okay, we don't need to be like yeah. that when we're 40. Um, <laughs> but what I love about it is that you can also start to look ahead and be like, who am I becoming? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so that's who I am. And I can acknowledge that isn't who I am now. And I don't need to fear that I have these shortcomings that I had when I was five, because now I'm 40. But it's also like, what does the next level version of me look like? You know, when you can start to see that is something that you're always transitioning from one version to another to another. And if we're doing the work, that's an upward trajectory. So yeah. like, actually, what does my next level self have to say about this? And I love to talk about seven figure self um, with mm. clients, because some, if you're not at seven figures yet, sometimes that's a really powerful way to be like, how do we make decisions from that mindset instead of like the small scared version of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really thinking about who is that next level version is is critical, isn't it? And like almost operating from that level. And I know that, you know, that gets construed in different ways um, with different people, but at least having an idea of, of what that vision is and what that looks like and trying to think mm. about what are some of the ways that they would operate and is that a way that I am operating right now? And if not, be honest mm. and say, well, what do I need to clear up? And that's, yes. yeah, it's a great way to get sort of aware of what's going on, I think. I think it's really powerful. And actually on my podcast this week, I've been sharing that, like, I think that going on holiday, you know, any time of mm. year, but I've just been on holiday in the summer. That's often an opportunity to try on your next level self, your seven figure self. Mm, okay, um, I always I find like it this. really helpful. You know, like you stay somewhere beautiful. Um, we often mm. stay in like Airbnbs where like they're very minimalist. And I, I have small children. I, I crave that like minimalist <laughs> look in the house. That is not what yeah. we're rocking right now. But <laughs> I, I always find it really helpful. I also think there's something about going in a plane. It's like it puts you on this higher level because you're out mm-hmm. of your normal yeah. country and like everything is up for grabs you're in the air. Everything is possible. But um. I think it's always really interesting to like consciously embody like your seven figure self when you go away on a trip, when you go away on holiday. And like, I always find when I get back, firstly, I like to bring something with me from the trip that, that is for my seven figure self. That is something conscious that I can put down on my desk and be like, here you go. This is a message and a gift from the future. This is what everything is going to be like. And I think that's a really important thing, but it's also really important to pay attention to our energetic responses to the the things that we got used to before we went on the trip. When you've been spending time consciously in in your seven-figure self, you come back and sometimes you look at stuff and you're just like, no. I mean, we we are pending like a big house renovation in the next couple of years and we're just at the architect stage of things. But like Mm -hmm. I got back from holiday, I looked at my bathroom and I was like, nope. It, frankly if, not. <laughs> if the sledgehammer was closer than it is I would probably get to work on this today but it's starting to just like be able to look at things mm. with new eyes I think sometimes it becomes really obvious that like a team member you've been trying really hard right. to make it work and it's just not working or a legacy client like mm. you love them and you like they love you and it feels perfect but you're not that person anymore you've moved on to the next thing yeah um, so I think there are it's it's a wonderful thing to sort of be able to look at life and see the things that should be there that aren't but also look at your business and be like what are all the things that are actually draining my energy away and are taking me away from the seven-figure self that I I'm ready to be 
Um, it's a it's a really powerful thing, and we can we can be too materialistic about like I need more stuff and I need better stuff, and there can be an element of that if you're in a season where like you you don't have the things that you need. But actually, I talk to women all the time who they've kind of got a beautiful house because they already built that through their business. And it's more about like the impact they want to have, the person they want to be, the opportunities they want to have and the programs or like the um, charities or, you know, all all of the things that they want to be doing. It's, It's really not confined to the material. It's about kind of legacy. What do I want my life to have meant? Um, and you know, I think as well, a lot of my clients are women in their fifties. It's Mm. like the time is now, this is, this is my peak like decade. I just think that women get more and more awesome and confident and fearless as they get older. And they're like, I think there's that magical moment where it's like, this is my time. This is my turn. I have put the years in, I have got the authority to speak on these things. Nothing is going to hold me back. So Mm. That's that's a, a, a small kind of um, vignette of what it means to to really go to town on this seven figure self stuff. But I I absolutely love it and I find it to be so powerful. And quite often clients will map out what it means for them to be their next level self or their seven figure self. And within a few weeks, often they have ticked off a few of those wow. things, if not mm-hmm. all of them. Because when we get intentional, we know what we're looking to do, and then we know when we've done it. So yes. it's a really exciting. I, I absolutely adore it and. I think my clients like it too. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I love it. It's such a phenomenal message. It really is. Jessica, I know that people can learn so much more from you. Where can people find out more about you? Yeah, so um, my website is jessicafernley.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. I was a LinkedIn top voice in 2019. And um, I've got lots of friends over on LinkedIn, lots of followers. um, And (laughs) I put out regular content through the week. And by also, you mentioned it already, Charlotte, I have a podcast called the Seven Figure Consultant Podcast. Amazing. Thank you. All right. So we'll pop all of those in the show notes so that you can find Jessica very, very easily. But Jessica, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and just learning all about the becoming your next level self. Um, Super, super exciting. And it's just been a wonderful time. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. I honestly, I could talk about this stuff all day, but it's been so much fun sharing with you today, Charlotte. Likewise. All right, Jessica. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Technically Confident Podcast with me, your host, Charlotte Fuller. If you'd like to get your hands on my incredible and absolutely free 100 resources to empower women in tech guide, which by the way, is packed to the brim with all of the top networks, events, podcasts and books, oh, and influencers you need to follow right now, then all you need to do is go to charlottefuller.com and click the link at the top of the page. Or you can just use the link in the show notes. Super, super simple. I look forward to seeing you next time. All my love and confidence, Charlotte.